Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former and they were talk roommates. about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about Moneyball. There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. That's a dollar, man. What? Welcome to Oakland. I need more money. We're not New York. Fine players with the money that we do have. I like Perez. Got an ugly girlfriend. Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. You guys are talking the same old nonsense. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. Who's Fabio? Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. Who are you? I'm Peter Brand. First job in baseball? It's my first job anywhere. We're going to shake things up. Why don't you walk me through the board? I believe there's a championship team that we could afford because everyone else undervalues them, like an island of misfit toys. We want you at first base. I've only ever played catcher. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. He can't throw. But what can he do? You want me to speak? When I point you again. He gets on base. We are card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. I'm heading in. Text me to play by play. Wait, what? I'm watching games. I'm your host, Corbin's Vocal. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the greatest wiffle ball player of all time, Cody <laughs> Webb. Cody, how are you doing? Doing awesome, man. Another great intro from you. Um, yeah, very excited for this episode. I don't know about me, but, you know, the best football player of all time. I'll take that compliment. But uh, yeah, I think this episode is going to be a, a home run, you know, so uh, super excited. <laughs> how you doing today, man? <laughs> I can't believe you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, you know, spent the day at the ballpark today. So it's only fitting that we uh, that we talk baseball. Let's go ahead and get into why I picked the movie. Why? 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 I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's spring, it's baseball season. Opening day was last Thursday. It's it's very thematic. And so why not talk about a baseball movie? And not only a baseball movie, just an incredible movie. Uh, obviously, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, uh, among many others. Star-studded cast, uh, a, based on true story. Just a, just a real fun baseball movie to get us going and, and you know, as the MLB season starts. Yeah, and uh, I back 100% what you're saying. Um, this is a great pick. Like you said, opening day, going to be a big year for the White Sox, you know, uh, Cubs suck. But, um, no, I think it's a great pick, especially timing-wise and everything. And like you said, overall, I mean, this is just a great movie. I'm just going to say it off the bat. Um, I do want to throw it over to you for your initial thoughts first, but I'm pretty high on this movie, and I'm sure we'll get into it a lot. But I do want to hear you first. Yeah, let's talk initial thoughts. First of all, how can you not be romantic about baseball, Cody? <laughs> that was my first time. God, I should have went first. I should have went first. <laughs> Obviously, incredible quote. Uh, and I mean, accurate. How can you not? Uh, but here's my question to really get us started. Mm-hmm. Is this the greatest movie about baseball ever made? Well, my answer to that would be very likely yes. And not just because it's a a good baseball movie it's just a good movie in general i think see Um, that's hard to find in other baseball movies here's my thing i think it's the greatest base movie about baseball i don't know if it's the greatest baseball movie sure that's fair i mean for that argument i'd I'd probably say like oh major league or yeah major league the sandlot i think those probably are like two great ones 
But uh, I mean, uh, for a movie based on based on baseball, I would say there's no competition. Oh, easily the best. Uh, I think just getting into it, I think this does because this movie is front office focused. I think it has a really interesting perspective. Whereas a lot of movies are about either players or people who play baseball, but this focuses on a lot of stuff that a lot of people. You, you you don't usually see you know scenes with scouts sitting around the table i mean you have the very you know politically incorrect scout sitting around the table talking about how his girlfriend's <laughs> ugly so we shouldn't get him and it's just like stuff like that that's like so like true to like what baseball was and what baseball probably still is today um the trade deadline scene another thing that you like you don't really see in a typical baseball movie all of like the pre-draft conversation type stuff that you see with like the flashbacks um and billy and like the mets talking to him um dealing with the managers and dealing with the players in the in the the uh, locker rooms I, I think there's just so much that like is different from your typical baseball movie because yeah. it's not focused on players necessarily no, I agree. I mean, this in a sense, it's a character study of Billy Bean. It, it's not really a story about how the athletics won 20 games in a row. That's sort of just in there out of nowhere, which, uh, which is another great scene. And all the scenes you mentioned as well are, are definitely going to be in my list later on. But yeah, I think that's where this movie excels at because it, it's not really about this team. It's about Billy. It's about his past, you know, trying to not make the same mistakes he made before. Um and then also about his family too, which I think is a, a fun side of the movie and, and does bring some heart too. But I mean, overall, my thing is like, even if you don't like baseball, I still I still think you'll like this movie. But if you do like baseball, I think you'll love this movie. And that's the park I'm in. Um, but I mean, overall, just to wrap up my stuff, like I think this is probably the best baseball biopic you could probably make, uh, or at least will see for a long, long time. And um, it's something that needs to be appreciated, I think. But yeah, no, I'm ridiculously high on this film. Yeah, I think the other thing it does a good job of showing is is a bit of the cruelty of baseball. You know, the yeah. losing, the the trades, the firing, the getting cut, the getting sent down. Um, you know, there's there's no like sugarcoating any of this. It's it's pretty honest and raw throughout uh, the entirety of it. You know, baseball is a sport where it's very hard to make it, and it's very hard to last. You know, a lot of people get drafted, but they still, you know. You, you, you see it with Billy Bean's story, you know, num- first round pick absolutely sputtered out, never turned into anything. You know, they say he has five tools um, and, you know, he was never really much of a baseball player, obviously had success as a, as a front office person, but uh, th- there's just a lot of cruelty that, that happens with, I mean, in professional sports, but particularly in baseball with just like, you know, how many people are in the minor leagues and never get a chance to make it. Um, so I think this t- movie does a good job of showing that. Yeah. And I think that, like really helps develop the character more of Billy Bean. Cause I mean, we, you see where he's coming from. He's like, he definitely doesn't want to connect to these players because he knows he's going to have to make those tough decisions. And then like the more and more him and Jonah Hill, like get intertwined with the team sort of at the end. I think that's like the main reason he doesn't want to go. Uh, obviously his family and everything, but you know, who the fuck cares about them? But I mean, <laughs> he's, he's got a relationship with these guys. He likes these guys. I think that's, or at least that's why the movie is showing why, you know, he wants to stay. Obviously all of this is not really like, it's based off a true story, but with any movie, like it's not all going to be accurate. Um, I do have some stuff later on where I want to talk about where like, there's a lot of other stuff going on in, in mm-hmm. these games and everything. But I think uh, just like based off the story they were telling, um, they took it in like an interesting way. Like if I was to make a movie about this sort of winning streak and the idea of Moneyball, 
I probably wouldn't even thought of half the things this movie did. So I like that a lot. Obviously, that has a ton to do with Sorkin's writing. And I think he does get most of the credit for this movie, even though, like, I, the director, their name popped up. I don't even remember it <laughs> because I don't think they made shit sense. I don't think they've gotten really any credit from this movie, which kind of sucks because it is really good. But this has Sorkin's, like, obviously dialogue all, like, all over it. Um, and I think this and, like, the social networker, his big things of like, oh, this is what Sorkin can do. But I do feel kind of bad for the director. Well, you know, it's and it's crazy because Sorkin didn't even write the first draft of the script. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was written by someone else and then Sorkin was able to come in, which I, I was reading that Sorkin very clearly said he's like, I didn't feel like I added a ton, which I think there's some very, I mean, I think the dialogue especially is very Sorkin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think some of the family stuff is very Sorkin as well. Sorkin is known to, to really play into the father of daughters type thing. Uh, you see it in movies like Molly's game. You see it in movies uh, even more recently, the, the trial of Chicago seven, he, he has this very big focus on like fathers and daughters. Um, and I think that's very evident in this movie as well. Uh but I agree with you. You know, the the director may be underappreciated. I I do think this is a well directed movie. Actually, yeah. uh, shouts to Bennett Miller. He hasn't done a whole lot outside there of is. this. Uh, directed Capote and and the the Cruise and Foxcatcher, which like you know, oh, okay. Foxcatcher. That, that's a good movie too. But yeah, I mean, nothing really big after this. I feel like. Yeah. Right. Um, do you have any other initial thoughts that you wanted to hit? No, that was the general of it. You got anymore? No, I got, I think that's it. I'm sure we have a lot more to say. So let's move on to <laughs> roll credits. Roll credits. Ding. I'll, uh, I'll get us started with the very first thing. So Go for it. obviously this, this movie opens with a quote from Mickey Mantle because it says it's unbe- unbelievable how much you don't know about the game you've been playing all your life. And I think that's pretty evident. You know, Billy Bean obviously grew up playing baseball, but it became very clear to him that the system failed him. And, you know, he was supposed to be, an all-star he was a five-tool player and i think that's kind of the 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 greatest motivation of this entire film is he realizes you know he's obviously he's been in this front office role for a few years he was a scout but especially now he's gotten to the point where he's lost and he's also seen that like the traditional way of thinking did not work it failed him it's failed you know numerous times the Oakley, so they have to do something different so he says you know what i'm open to hiring this young guy out of Yale who is an economics degree and is not a baseball guy um, because maybe there's, you know, maybe I don't know everything about this game that I've been playing all my life. There, there is something more out there. So I think that's an interesting, you know, quote to open up the movie with. Yeah. I mean, in just bouncing off that, like the title itself of Moneyball is that idea. It's, it's like the idea of it's not a fair game, baseball, like the, the opening, um, scrolls well shows the budget between the new york yankees and the oakland athletics and it's not a fair game (laughs) it still isn't to this day no it's definitely not and the a's are are doing the exact same thing now which is pretty funny too but i mean for this movie like that overarching idea is like so gripping i think because it's really taking something that like billy bean and, and peter brand are just like implementing into baseball and basically everybody else in baseball is saying, you know, that's not how you do it. Like we're not going to go against the grain that we've been doing for a hundred years. And then it ends up actually working, which I think is pretty cool. And it's a great title as well. And uh, I think it is said like once in the movie total, it was just over like that radio interview with the scout where he's like, Oh, they're calling it Moneyball, and he should be fired. Um, 
So I feel like if they like thrown it into a bigger scene, that would have been like a cool moment of like Billy or, or Peter Brand saying Moneyball. But I think obviously it, it fits super well. The title does. The uh, the only other thing I want to talk about is is obviously at the end you get the classic oh based on a true story we have to wrap things up with some title <laughs> cards to to clean things up yeah. and it's it's really tough because obviously the first one says oh he didn't he was offered you know twelve and a half billion dollars would have been the highest paid GM in all of sports and he doesn't accept it. But then the next title card goes, oh, but the Red Sox won the World Series two years later, <laughs> which, is, which yeah. is tough, is tough for sure. Which here's the thing. Theo Epstein uh, ended up taking that general manager position that he was offered. And, and Theo kind of did implement a lot of those money ball ideas, advanced saber metrics, maybe not in the exact same way. Um, but he still recognized the Red Sox still tried to implement it. And they did win a World Series two years later. So. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about those, like, end uh, titles is, like, they do it, like, super specifically as well, where they showed, oh, he's the biggest paid one, and then, oh, he didn't take the job, and next one, the Red Sox won the World Series using his metrics. It's, like, <laughs> it's kind of tough the way they set it up, but effective, but, yeah, you are right. I mean, in hindsight, he probably should have just gone to the Red Sox, but tough stuff for Billy. I believe now he, he's not even with the A's anymore. Obviously, this is like 20 years ago now. Like, it's been a while. So I think he's out of the organization. Um, and he never got that ship, which is kind of tough, uh, especially even like even deeper into hindsight, uh, like after this movie was made still. But yeah, Rip Billy Bean's career. This says uh, he's the executive vice president of baseball operations and a minority owner of the uh, athletics currently. So, okay. So he's not the GM anymore. You just, yeah. 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 That's what it was. Whatever. I mean, still, he he's done doing the money ball system is out he's probably just like fuck it dude uh, i'll stay in oakland forever because i like you here and i love i love all the people but you know they're never in a world series so might as well stop trying and <laughs> you know it's interesting because baseball is really while yes there's rich franchises and other sports baseball is really the only sport that has this kind of unique money problem because there is no salary cap uh unlike you know other sports um, there's obviously the luxury tax to try and prevent some of these, you know, teams spending large amounts of monies, but it still does it. You know, the New York Yankees spend 200 some million on their payroll now and teams like the A's and the, uh, the, the Rays like are, are spending, you know, sub $30 million on their entire roster. And it, it's insane. You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest problems baseball has today, but you know, teams like, like the Rays, you know, can still be successful. Uh, teams like the A's, even in the past couple of years, have had, you know, playoff appearances despite their payroll being significantly lower. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, honestly. I was going to say pretty much that. I mean, this is still an ongoing issue with baseball. Obviously, um, I think there's a new tax coming out called the Cohen tax, which is um, directly because the New York Mets are, are spending so much fucking money. It's ridiculous. But like you said, teams like and the, the Dodgers Red- are spending an insane amount of money this year as well. Obviously, so. the Dodgers, Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, any any massive city like that is, is going to be bad. But um, yeah, like you're saying, the Tampa Bay Rays, what they're doing right now, it's sort of a continuation of of what Billy Bean started, I think. And they're doing the same sort of analytical standpoint, um, but even more. So they're doing like two people per position, which is called a pl- platoon. We're just breaking down baseball at this point. But, I mean, basically, you just get somebody who's good against righties, somebody who's good against lefties, put them at the same position, and then whoever the, the other team throws that day 
you just throw in the one who like would be better against a righty or a lefty. Um, so, I mean, they took Billy Bean's model, extended it more. They have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. And, and I mean, like, last year, the Rays, number one team in the AL East. Exactly. They went to the World Series the year before. So, I mean, they're legit contenders every year. They're going to be just as good this year. Um, so, I mean, if you follow the system correctly and, and, you know, get the right guys at the right time, pretty much anything's possible in baseball, which is, you know, another o- overarching theme, I think. But, yeah, and the ace, too, like you said, over the past, like, five seasons, they've been good. Uh, this year, they sold everybody because their team got too good and they're all worth a lot of money now. So they have to go back to the beginning, which is probably why, uh, you know, Billy Bean doesn't like that so much because every time he gets, like, four or five good players, they all sign, you know, massive deals with these other teams, which, you know, is something that's going to happen in Oakland for a long, long time. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I pretty much agree with everything you say, but just baseball talk. Let's just start a baseball talk uh, podcast at this point, but I'm rambling on. <laughs> Let's move on to the stupidest part. You stupid. Not- Here's the thing. This movie is great. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of stupid parts, but there is one glaring issue. Okay, let's hear it. Listen, they won 20 games in a row, but at the end of the day, Moneyball, it didn't work. Like, <laughs> like it, they didn't win a World Series, and he says it in the movie. Like, no one no one cares if you didn't win the last game of the se- year. And here we are 20 years later. The A's still have not won a World Series. And I think it it kind of sullies a little bit, like, the, the beauty of the stories because, like, it's a d- classic David and Goliath. And yes, they were successful. They set the AL record for most wins in a row. Uh, but they didn't win the World Series. And they still haven't. Yeah. And I think I, that kind of takes away from it. <laughs> That's fair. But, I mean, for saying it's the dumbest part, I mean, it was based off a true story. So, I mean, we're, we're No, 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 I agree. But, I mean, it's just like you make this whole movie about something that in the end, like, didn't, <laughs> didn't really work. Like, <laughs> Right. I mean, that's what, uh, I mean, Brad Pitt says that multiple times, like you said, too. So, yeah, I kind of like that they don't win, though. I mean, it is a, it's a moral victory, but he's still not happy with it just because that's, like, who he is as a, as a person. But, no, that is tough. They, I think they lost in the ALDS, too. They didn't even go far in the playoffs. So, yeah. tough. Um, I do have a couple, like you said, this movie's kind of hard to pick at. So, if these are not very dumb, I'm sorry. But the first super nitpicky thing I have is, um, we see Jonah Hill's apartment when um, Billy Bean calls him at like four in the morning. Um, did you notice what was hanging above Jonah Wall's uh, bed? It was a picture of, of a very famous person. Do you know who it is? No, who was it? It was Plato, the philosopher. I thought that, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a little on the nose for for Jonah Hill's character. That was the first time I think I noticed it was on this watch too. I was like, what the, what the hell's Plato doing over his bed? But um, I think that's pretty stupid. My other one, which I do kind of have a gripe with, um, it's sort of just the direction a little bit. And it's the idea of Billy Bean. He doesn't watch the games, mm. which that's fine. Everything that could be true. I don't even know if it is. I didn't, I didn't look it up. But I think for this movie, it's it's more of just a, a plot point to have Brad Pitt be in like different locations like just giving emotional reactions to things (laughs) like he's he's chucking his radio around he's he's in a wire grid of an empty parking lot you know walking around Uh, he's even doing some donuts sometimes you know it's a lot of driving and it's a lot of emotional stuff i don't know if that's the best stuff in this movie Uh, i think it's an interesting choice but i would say in the grand scheme of the direction that, that that's pretty dumb in my opinion 
but yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my, another gripe I had, um, I don't think the like filmed baseball scenes look that great. Okay. They, they do this like hyper cinematic, like lighting and, you know, everything behind it is blacked out. And like, I, I understand why they did it, but I think like when they juxtapose it with like the real, like old footage of the baseball, like, I just, I just don't think it quite works or fits in with the story. Uh, so yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of that. I agree with that. The mix between like the real footage and like the clearly like well lit footage, I think is is not the best. I was gonna bring this up in filmmaking, but might as well do it now. But I think the way it's shot is interesting. Um, but obviously, it's just for like dramatic effect, which I think it kind of works. But at the same time, it, it kind of really just feels out of place. So I do agree with you. I think just the way it was shot. I mean, it's, like, so black and white, like, just on the batter. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, but I agree. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I talked about, I kind of mentioned before that Aaron Sorkin has this, like, theme of, of you know, fathers and daughters and a lot of his, his writing and his stories. And mm-hmm. I think the ending and the way that it kind of, it tries to throw in that like oh he just stayed because of his daughter i think that kind of detracts from the story yes your family's great you should stay in california to be with your daughter billy bean but um it's like this whole emotional setup he has the conversation with peter brand and you know they look at the guy who's scared to run to second base and, and all that stuff but and then it's like he's driving in the car and she's like oh well if you if you leave me <laughs> like she's all sad and then and then it cuts and it's like oh, he decided to stay. And I, I'm not a huge fan of the way that kind of like plays in at the end of just like, oh, he just stayed because of his daughter and like not because of what he was able to accomplish in Oakland and like wanting to stay there and like still try and do it for less money and not give in to the greed and the money of, of, of the Red Sox. What do you think about that? Yeah, I kind of agree. I really like the ending personally, but I feel like it's just, it kind of leaves it up to you on, on why he would want to stay but obviously that was like the tipping point for him was I guess hearing his his, uh his daughter say that but I don't know it's kind of like it like is emotional I think at the end and uh, I think like it did get me so I kind of like the ending but yeah sort of just the idea of oh he loves his daughter that's the reason why it's kind of like a weak reason I would say not that that's a bad reason but um I agree with what you're saying but I do like the ending a lot. <laughs> do you have any other stupid parts? No, that was all I had. Not yeah. much this week to contribute there. Not a lot. Not a lot. When the movies are good, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, pales in comparison to last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, compared to last week, the the amount of time we spent on dumbest part was probably good. <laughs> good 15, 20 minutes. But <laughs> that's what happens, you yeah. know. <laughs> Let's move on to favorite scene. <laughs> gorgeous to me cody why don't you get us started here yeah i got a few here there's a couple just iconic ones that i really like uh like you were saying like in the me initial thoughts just the scenes of them sitting around the the scout table i think are some of my favorites uh the he gets on base scene so good so well read so fun um and then the trade deadline scene too i think that's (laughs) that's the one i wanted to talk about okay i'll I'll talk about a little bit out there on you but i mean (sighs) like you said, you just don't see stuff like that in these sort of sports movies where it's behind the scenes. I think just the, 
the managing of the team is maybe the most interesting part of the team. And you don't really see that often in media. I think the way that scene plays out where he's on like four different phone calls, he's playing two of them just for the overall goal to get this one guy. I think it's masterfully done. And I mean, the thing I kind of forgot about my initial thoughts as well is this movie is unbelievably acted. I think um, there's really not too many like weak performances in the main two of Brad and, and uh, Jonah Hill, their chemistry, I think in that scene specifically is off the wall, but yeah, no, I'll throw it over you. I love that scene a lot. Yeah. I think it's, it's just really fantastic. Like you said, I think it's probably easy for a lot of people to be like, "Eh, what does a a general manager really do? Like how much do they actually uh, affect the play? Like, obviously they make the decisions on like who, who to hire and who to trade for. But like, when you see like how, how much effort he puts into like make these trades and he's playing these guys. And obviously like this is an elite, you know, level of thinking, but like him and Jonah Hill working together and and calling the different people and putting them on a hold. And they got to call the, the owner of the team to try and get the money. And it, it's just fantastic. Like it, it's really amazing. And it, it's crazy. Cause you see, like, he knows like every single player they're talking about. He, it, it's really cool. And you just see like when, jo- when they finally like succeed Jonah Hill's like little celebration where he's like, yeah. <laughs> is, is, is really funny as well. So I, I, I just love that scene. It's amazing. Yeah. The, the slow fist pump from Jonah Hill. <laughs> classic. I think that was a scene um they used for his oscar nom like mm. uh when he when they announced him as a nominee that was the scene they showed his slow fist pump so that's cool too but definitely one of my favorites uh i have a couple other ones as well a little one that i i don't know if i just personally really enjoy it but i think it's super funny it's when he goes into his ex-wife's house and her new husband is like sitting there and he's spike jones there. baby yeah, spike jones. shout out spike but I love that scene. I, I think it's one of the funniest in the movie. Uh, sort of him at the beginning where his voice is like cracking and he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> and then at the end with the phone and he's like, her mother and I will discuss it. <laughs> it's just like this dude. <laughs> this dude has no chance to get against Brad Pitt in the scene. Yeah, but... he's like such a wet blanket character, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's played for laughs. So, it's, it's great. Yeah, so I love that one. And then the, I think I've said this before, but I said the Martian episode, I said this, um, I'm a sucker for a montage, dude. Uh, <laughs> this movie has a lot. Yeah. The one that sticks out to me is when they go on the winning streak. Um, pretty much, you know, I think they go from like 16 to 20. They just keep showing, you know, continuous highlights and stuff. Gives me goosebumps every time. I, I don't know why, but the, just like the the fans' reactions to those kind of games are are pretty phenomenal. And that's really something that we've all never seen in baseball for I mean, it hasn't. I think that's the most games ever won in baseball continuously. So we'll probably never see it again, honestly. And just I think the record—it's the most in the AL. I think the record is twenty-six overall. But, but I mean, the the teams that they're even passing for the AL record, are like the nineteen oh six. I mean, yeah, it's old ass. Yeah. Nineteen forty-seven, like Dimaggio uh, Yankees. So it's like ridiculously long ago. But yeah, I'm a sucker for montage, and like I said, that one gives me chills every time. So you gotta throw that out there too. Absolutely. Um, I just have a couple quotes because I think this movie just has like some amazing quotes, maybe not necessarily scenes. So uh, first one, uh, obviously, the if you lose the last game of the season, nobody gives a shit. That's a great one. Uh, Billy Bean saying, would you rather get one shot in the head or five in the chest and bleed to death? <laughs> uh the the interaction i wanted you to see these player evaluations they asked me to do i asked you to do three yeah to evaluate three players yeah how many did you do 
47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied. Just yeah. <laughs> that screams Sorkin to me right there. That's that's classic Sorkin, but yeah. The it's hard not to be romantic about baseball, obviously is great. Um, and then the when they're when they're sitting around the table and Billy Bean says Scott Atterberg, and everyone goes, Who? And he goes, Exactly. That guy sounds like an Oakland A already. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just great. Great and then and there's so much there's so much so many more great lines. So yeah. You forgot he gets on base, but no, that scout, every single line from that um scout team uh meeting is so good. Uh I mean the one about he has got, he's got no confidence because girlfriend's ugly. I mean, it, and then it like moves on a little bit and it comes back. Well, his girlfriend's a six at best. That's all. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. All these old guys in the room just talking. His, dick, his, his dick's two feet into the room before he even walks in. <laughs> yeah. Anything out of some old guy's scout, old guy scout's mouth is gold, I think, in this movie. But yeah, very, very quotable. And, and those are all definitely great. Let's move on to let's talk filmmaking. We are Full Sail University. We take dreams seriously. So the thing that I wanted to talk about, actually, you brought up in the last scene, is the montage. This this movie utilizes the montage probably like none other. It is constant throughout. Um, (laughs) The there's, I mean, you know, some scenes maybe you don't quite consider a montage, but there's a ton of intercutting between back and forth of like Billy Bean playing, Billy Bean, you know, getting scouted with you know the modern things that are happening you know obviously the thematic similarities of oh he was a failure and then now he wants to do things differently but I think specifically the scene I wanted to talk about was that winning streak Um, you get the the inner cut of the real footage the news footage them you know the the the, you know famous different announcers talking over about it um, them sitting and watching the real games Um, it's utilized throughout but I think it's probably best executed in that one uh, scene. There's just a ton of scenes throughout where you take dialogue and you put it over other footage. Um, So yeah, that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about here. Yeah. And you're right. They do a lot more than I think I even noticed before you bring it up. I mean, there's so much like narration of just like sports analysts saying stuff over like shots of the team and everything. Um, And then there's like the montage of him helping out the players and then the winning streak, and then the entire story of his, like, career. So, yeah, right, I, I really didn't even realize that. And I think montages, if you use them well, like they are in this movie, it's not as noticeable. Um, I think, obviously, they became, like, super popular in sports movies due to the Rocky franchise, just because, like, before every big fight, Rocky would go on this massive montage and get everything pumped up. But no, I, I think you're right. Like, they do it, they do it maybe a little bit too much, but like if they do it that well it's sort of like i didn't even notice uh until you said it so yeah did you have anything specific you want to talk about in this scene um i did have a couple things uh bring to the table talked about it the way it was shot super dramatic um another thing we haven't talked about which i really really like is the score i think the score is is one of my favorites of all time um super dramatic as well but just fits so well, I think. And then as well, I just want to throw out um, if we were still doing uh, Welcome to the Academy, I would have to throw out best original song for um, Just a Love It Stuck in the Middle from his daughter. Oh, I'm a defender of this song. <laughs> I think it's very good. I think the actress who, who sings it is, is very good as well. But um, I mean, I, I'd put that on my playlist. That's a banger. So. That's all. That's pretty much all I got for this category, though. Yeah, but this song was not written for this movie. Yeah, I don't care. 
song came out in 2008, uh, which is, uh, I I can't remember the name of the person, but uh, the, the thing about it is it's like the one, like the most anachronistic part of the whole movie because like the song came out in 2008 and this is obviously set in 2001 and she's like it's sung by linka is the person uh the the song's called the show and um obviously this movie came out in 2011 but (laughs) you know whatever i mean that i think yeah uh i think something i can dumbest part that should be a dumbest part (laughs) throw it back edit it in cody go ahead uh (laughs) are you are you familiar with a j cut cody I mean, sure. I I don't remember the specific terminology, but I did learn all the all the like filmmaking stuff. But please explain it to me again. So so in filmmaking, you have uh, obviously you could cut between scenes and you could cut the audio. There's also what we call L cuts and J cuts. So a J cut is basically where you have your video and you have your audio files, and it forms a J where the audio begins to play before you cut to the video of the audio. So this happens a few times kind of in the montages sometimes it's just audio over top but it happens a lot in the scenes where it's like the flashbacks where you'll see billy bean sitting there and then the audio of the you know the scouts talking to his family starts to play and then we cut to the actual video of that scene so it's, it's a j cut because the audio is on the bottom and then it kind of forms a j you can do the same thing where you cut to a, a new image in a new scene but you continue the audio from the previous scene which is called an l cut so so there's your filmmaking lesson that's about j cuts and l cuts <laughs> appreciate the refresher but yeah no that's true they do that a lot i think in this and uh they do it effectively so props to them yeah the audio kind of leads you in to what you're about to see next yeah kind of draws you in a little to the next scene i like it weird movie details trivia I got three questions for you, Cody. I have two, so you can start us off. All right. My first two don't have any choices. And I I think first two, easy. Third one, you might be able to go three for three today, Cody. So let's see it. All right. First, what are the five tools in baseball? Okay. (laughs) I believe, oh man, I feel like I'm missing one. So obviously it's uh, hitting, hitting for power, fielding. Uh, throwing and running. There you go. There's there five. you go. Five tools. Billy Bean. He was a five tool athlete, and then uh, it did not work. So. I almost forgot uh, running because you know skills don't matter. Analytics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, Purdue, Purdue baseball leading the Big Ten in steals. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, it worked today. Uh, Seventeen thousand IU rip. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my first question also does not have options. I don't know if this is easy or hard. I feel like you know baseball decently enough, so I'll throw it at you. But, um, yeah, the guy in the movie, there's this guy who uh, is the guy who's teaching Scott Hatterberg how to play first base. It's famously Ron Washington. And uh, I just want to know what team he managed for for a while during 2010. Made a couple of World Series trips. Corpino's disrespected by this question, I think. But it's a- <laughs> no, I, I don't know the answer. So, okay, he made a couple World Series trips in the 2010s. <laughs> yeah, he did. He That's lost both hit. of them. Uh, currently, he's the third base coach for the Braves. Hmm, interesting. So, so he did win a World Series last year. Um. Okay, so I got. I just got to guess a, a Major League Baseball team that went to the World Series. Uh. <laughs> obviously okay so it's not the royals not the indians not the obviously not the, the cubs 
Oh yeah, yeah. also this movie needs to be censored because they say the Indians. It's the Guardians, bro. It's well, the it's the Guardians now. They were the <laughs> they were the Indians then. They showed the Indians logo in all of its glory. I yeah, because was... they were rocking the the, the <laughs> logo in all of its glory back in 2002. Um okay. Um I have no idea. I couldn't even t- I couldn't guess right now. Just it's the, the Texas Rangers. Ah, uh, of course. Good it's... team back in the 2010s. Shout out Josh Hamilton, dude. Yeah. He's pretty good. Adrian Beltran. Killed somebody. <laughs> Let's move swiftly on to your next question. I saw I you know, I probably I went to a Rangers game in like uh 20 probably like 2014. So, oh, was really? he the manager in, then? Maybe I saw. In him. Texas? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Ron Washington was the manager. There you go. I, I didn't say hi to him. That's my problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. No choices on this one again. What mm-hmm. school was Billy Bean going to go to if he didn't get drafted by the Mets? Bro, I've seen this movie like 10 times. It's Stanford. Come on. <laughs> Smart guy. Too easy. What, I'll just bang off that. I'll throw a random one out here. What round did Jonah Hill say he would have taken him? Ninth. Of, yeah, there you go. All right. Respect. <laughs> Ninth round, okay. no signing bonus. Exactly. Um, What is... Oh, I'll do last. Do you do you want to do yours? I'll, I, that wasn't even my question. I was just throwing. Oh, out. I thought I thought you, <laughs> I thought that was your question. Got you, got you, got you. No, you're good. Okay, so this one, uh, I don't know. It's got options, so I don't think it should be too hard. But uh, the question is, so to preface it as well, they left out a few key players mm. um, that the A's had, and I want to single out one here. Um, so, what former All Star player was not mentioned at all in the movie? Who was a massive superstar? Help them be a contender. I got some options for you for old A's players. Uh, or just, you know, good players in general. Is it Eric Chavez, Miguel Tejada, or Jermaine Dye? I think it's Chavez, right? Uh, trick question. It's all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> you got there we go. There. Yeah. I didn't Eric I didn't Chavez. know Tejada played for the uh the A's. Yeah, but... he was the one who had the he had the walk off in nineteen and eighteen of the mm. winning streak i believe so pretty big peaks and he's probably the most well decorated yeah Obviously, definitely jermaine die he won a world series no fly with the white Sox, like a three-time all-star so they had a lot of good players not just you know chris pratt i wanted to shout out some other guys too but yeah good players okay. earlier in their career obviously then yeah yeah couldn't get paid enough money so <laughs> ended up in other places that's the a's formula but yeah shoot me with your last one all right this was the first baseball movie since blank to be nominated for best picture and i do have choices okay choices are bull durham field of dreams a league of their own the sandlot for best picture we're talking best picture read those again for me i'm sorry it's not old durham no field of dreams a league of their own the sandlot well it's not gonna be the sandlot or um whatever the first one you said i believe i don't think bull durham will be for best picture no chance okay so field of dreams i think they came out in like what 91 94 somewhere in there like their own i think it's 89 <laughs> about the same like their own was probably 1990 or something you that release too <laughs> uh i mean it was a it was a younger tom hanks i mean 92 there you go durham was 89 i don't know when sandlot was but you don't care about it anyway like so 2005 or something um I'm going to go with Field of Dreams. 
I don't have, have any of those been nominated. I feel like none of them have. <laughs> well, one of them clearly has at least. Field of Dreams is my answer. Field of Dreams is the the only other baseball movie to be nominated for Best Picture. I okay. will say Bull Durham nominated for Best Original Screenplay. So put a little respect on the uh, on their name. All right, respect. I don't think that movie's that good, but who cares what I think? Yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not the Academy. Kevin but, Costner, uh, big baseball guy. <laughs> big sports guy, Kevin Costner. Any sports movie, Kevin Costner's probably in it. To be honest, but yeah. Well, not in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity, but he, sh- he should have been like the Red Sox owner or somebody. Mm. Just a tiny role. Should have been. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. And we're back with who can act. Wow, Cody, why don't you okay. get started? Who can act? Of course, yeah. Uh, so obviously, I I mentioned earlier the main two of of Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Um, but I don't, I don't really want to talk about them too much. I have some other people in smaller roles that I really, really love. And uh, the first one is, is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I think is um, just criminally underrated uh, for his entire career. And uh, sadly, RIP, but 100%, I think is an amazing performance. Sort of just like, it's super like transparent of, of who his character is and, and what he's trying to do. And he almost gets like cut out of story halfway through because he's not that important to it anymore. But all of his interactions with Brad Pitt, I love them fighting in the office about who's playing first base. And then it culminates with Brad Pitt trading away or sending down every single first baseman other than uh, Chris Adenberg. I love that scene too. Um, and so Phil, excuse me, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think is, is very, very good and, and not really talked about. Yeah, kind of a surprising cast, I feel like. Um, obviously, we, we talked about the director uh, earlier, had worked directed Capote as well, which uh, stars Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote um, in a pretty impressive performance. Uh, Truman Capote, strange guy. Philip Seymour Hoffman really dove into that role. Um, but yeah, uh, well-decorated actor, rest in peace. Weird casting, but I think he uh, kind of pulls it off pretty well. 100%. Who can act for you, bud? Um, I mean, obviously you have Jonah Hill, Brad Pitt as the main two, both Oscar nominated. Jonah Hill should have won, saying it right now. Uh, Christopher Plummer took the L. I mean, also rest in peace to Christopher Plummer. But uh, let's let's give it Jonah Hill Moneyball. Should have won 2011, 84th Academy Awards. What are we doing, guys? No fun. Uh, my other one, I got to give shouts to my man, Spike Jones. We, we mentioned him earlier in the podcast, yeah. but, and, and we've mentioned him in, in former podcasts, obviously the director of her. Um, like I said, I think when he plays like these little bit parts in movies, uh, he's also in the Wolf of Wall Street where he plays the guy who owns the, the like first like penny stock place that Jordan Belfort goes to. And he just plays like these little weirdos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's just so funny. And he's only in a couple scenes. He's got the weird sandals. He, he calls yeah. Jason Giambi. Giovanni, <laughs> he's like sorry to hear about Giovanni and Damon, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's just like that wet blanket husband of your ex-wife, and he, he's probably my my favorite uh, part of this whole movie, to be honest. I agree completely. Like I was talking about before with that scene, I think it's hilarious, and like the sandals are are so funny as well. That just fits his kit that like that <laughs> so perfectly. But no, I back that hundred percent. Um. And I did want to shout out one more guy. Uh, I don't even know his name, if I'm being honest. It's, it's the guy who plays the head scout. You might have to look that up real quick. Well, but... I, I, 
pretty much all except for like two scouts in this movie were played by like real MLB scouts. I think the head scout might've been a real actor, but uh, throughout like a lot of the scouts are played by real scouts. That makes sense. And um, I, I do want to recast them. I'm going to spoil it a little bit. But <laughs> I want to throw some more people in the scout room, but I think the main guy, uh, he's a, he has like a decent amount of lines. I think, and I think he's actually pretty good. I don't, I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Um, could be wrong. But I feel like he's just super unknown. Brady Fusan, and he is a real Moneyball scout. Really? Okay. Well, that's a hell of a performance then. And even backs it more of what I'm saying, I think. But um, yeah, I think also his character is mostly in the right, I think, in, in this movie. It's it's sort of the idea of the, just the classic baseball scout guy. I don't know if Billy was necessarily doing the right thing just by completely ostracizing all the scouts from from thinking of the old ways because i mean scott hatterberg can't play first base so kind of makes sense but however scott hatterberg ended up finished the season above league average and fielding percentage so well there you go well i mean are we talking in the movie or are we talking real life talking irl buddy (laughs) well i wasn't talking about the real life but uh yeah i don't i don't know probably a lot of stuff happened differently in real life but um also, you can't throw, but anyways, I think that's a great reverse from that guy. You don't need to throw to play first base. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the specific scene where he gets he gets canned, I think it's really good. Uh, just, like, you can just feel the tension. Now I'm firing. <laughs> yeah, you can feel the tension between Brad Pitt and, and him in that scene. I think it, it was uh, very well acted. So I want to shout out that guy, too. Now let's move on to who can act. That's my opinion! I, I really only have one person for this, uh, so why don't you get us started? I feel like we probably have the same version. Um, I have two I wanted to shout out, but I really don't think anybody's too bad in this movie. Um, the Another one you might have to look up here, uh, the guy who plays uh, Jeremy Giambi. Um, I think he's got like three lines total in the movie, but um, the one Nick scene that I think... Perazzo. Like, what's his name, Nick? Nick, yeah. Nick Perazzo. Well, you're a bad actor, Nick Perazzo. No, I'm just joking. I, I don't think he's bad in this movie, really. But that one dance scene in the locker room, I think it's pretty cringe. And he's sort of just standing there while uh, Brad Pitt's lecturing. And yeah, he's all right. But that kind of stood out to me. This is the only movie he's acted in. Well, there you go. Maybe I'm not wrong. But um, yeah, he's not bad, but he's definitely not the best. But um, I'll throw it over you. I think we have the same person, but I'll throw it over you uh i'm saying chris pratt yeah that's mine as well uh you know he sits there oh i've never played first base (laughs) i'm a catcher (laughs) uh listen i you know obviously in in recent years chris pratt has been you know less is sullied in the public eye a little bit uh with you know the treatment of his children and his ex-wife and also just like some of his you know church and religious values and, and and things like that uh but I also just don't think he's very good in this movie. Um, obviously, he's great in Parks and Rec, uh, but I, I just think he's he's not good in this film whatsoever. I agree. And and revisiting this movie, it's I, I'm kind of coming to the conclusion that Chris Pratt's just not a, a very good actor. I don't think. Um, like you're saying, I mean, he's just he's playing the dumb guy in this movie, which is fine. Um, I think he played that, but he's not even funny. That's the thing. Like, if exactly. you're gonna play the dumb guy there's no like comedic like his his role is not that funny yeah i think him cast as andy dwyer is perfect but pretty much everything else he does he's not great in i think the exception to that is guardians of the galaxy one which is my personal favorites 
very good in that. But I mean, Guardians Volume Two, not great. Um, pretty much anything else he's been in. Jurassic like, World, Passengers, Super Mario. He's fine but... in the Lego Movie. <laughs> he's moving to, to voice acting. He's moving to voice acting. He's a bit. Hey, Mario! Shout out Mario! Yeah, because I don't think he's that good in front of the camera. But that was definitely my pick too. He, he, I don't think he's bad in this. Sort of just his lines are kind of campy as well, where he's like, "Oh, what's your biggest fear?" Oh, the, the ball being <laughs> general direction. <laughs> well, that's not great, dude. I'm not sure how you're playing baseball, but yeah, fair enough. But like I said, I don't think he's bad, bad. He's just like severely outnumbered. By in, yeah, in bad. this cast, yeah, it, it kind of stands out uh, in comparison to when like every, like even like you, you got Philip Seymour Hoffman playing the manager and, you know, yeah. it, it, in this cast, is, he definitely stands out. 100%. And yet, like the little roles like that are, are cast well, I think, otherwise. But, and also, I think the first time I watched this movie, I don't even think I knew who Chris Pratt was. <laughs> and then, I, like, the second time I watched it, I was like, oh shit, Chris Pratt's like the first baseman. That's dope. But I think it was, I, also, I didn't watch Parks and Rec until I was like, you know, it had, it, it ended a long time. So I was kind of not in that community either. But I don't think the first time I watched it, I even realized who that was. Which yeah, funny. I think he's pretty forgettable in the role too. So I, I think when I first watched this movie, I, I had seen Parks and Rec already, so I knew who he was. But even like when I would revisit it years later, I'd be like, oh yeah, fucking Chris Pratt is in this movie. Like what? <laughs> what the hell? He's definitely like the most forgettable part, I think. Which yeah. I, I was reading that like he he like really wanted to be in this movie, which I mean, I understand it's, it's a fantastic movie, but he was like, he, he lost weight to be in this movie. He was sending, oh, finally he, he was able to get cast because he like put in the effort. So well, that's cool, I guess then. Good for him but still not the best guy, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Let's move on to the recast. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Uh, I have, like, one kind of serious one. Actually, they're both kind of jokes, so. <laughs> okay. I have, like, one kind of serious one, and then my other one just straight up. All right. Let, let's hear the serious one first, Cody. All right. So I'm getting rid of Chris Pratt. Yeah. Well, I, I have a serious one and a, and a joke, too, but we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> they serious pick, it's... I don't know if it would work, but well, obviously they need to know how to swing a baseball bat and everything. But I'm gonna go with Sebastian Stan, and mm. I want an early in the career Sebastian Stan too. So like, probably a good five ten years before Winter Soldier. Um, I don't think he's really doing much, if I'm being honest. So I think someone who is unrecognizable is definitely good. Um, but also I think he's a much better actor than Chris Pratt, based off the stuff he's been putting out recently. I think he's actually pretty good. So. I choose him. Uh, my other pick, uh, just anybody in this new Oppenheimer movie. Um, I, was trying think, I was trying to think of random, like, young white guys, and I just couldn't name anybody. So I was like, what movie has, like, all the white guys? Oh, the Oppenheimer movie. Let's just go through that cast. So pick your poison there. Just, you know, you know uh, throw your finger around, stick it on somebody. That's probably going to be better than Chris Pratt. So Killian Murphy, young Killian Murphy. They've like cast that. more people, too, recently in the last yeah. week. They've cast more white guys. Just more white guys. Interesting. It's gonna be the most white guy movie of all time, but you know, what else could no one movie be? I guess. But hey, no. Cillian Murphy, Kelly Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Rami Malek. Hey, he's not white. There you go. Dana like Josh Harnett, obviously Matt Damon, uh, Jack Quaid, Josh Peck, Kenneth Branagh, Benny Safdie, <laughs> Gary Oldman. I think that was the latest one. David DeCalzian, uh Jason Clark, that's a classic. Okay, Jason Clark would be good. That's Chris Pratt. Yeah, there you go. Alex Wolf. 
a lot of those don't fit, like Gary Oldman or David Jacoby. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them kind of. Alden Ehrenreich, the guy who played Han Solo. Yeah, he's in the movie too. Good. He'd be good. Okay, see, these are decent ideas for, for this recast, but yeah, that, that's funny. <laughs> there's there's well, plenty of options. I want to hear your recast, though. Let's give it your popcorn. Yeah, so actually, uh, this is something I was saving up to this point. In 2013, mm-hmm. I got to go see Billy Bean speak in person. Uh, really? he, he came and visited Ball State, and he did this little presentation. And you know what I... So this was like two years after the movie came out. You know what I... I thought when I saw him, I said, this man looks like Billy Bob Thornton. He doesn't look like Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) And he really, like, he really does. He looks like a younger, like, cause he's, he's a little bit younger than Billy Bob Thornton, I think, but he, he looks like Billy Bob Thornton. And you know what? Billy Bob Thornton, bad news bears. He's a baseball guy too. Yeah. Put him in for Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously Brad Pitt is so iconic in this role and I wouldn't want him recast, but if we had to choose somebody else, second choice, if you're going based on looks, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton is the choice, and him and Billy Bob Thornton, they they've shared some women in their life, particularly <laughs> Angelina Jolie, one woman in particular. So there's a connection there as well. Wow, hey, great point there. Um, but yeah, if we're going off just realism straight up, Billy Bean's no Brad Pitt. Come on now, he's more of Billy Bob Thornton. So I like that or not. But um, my other one, I do want to recast. I mentioned before, I want to. You know, just just like periodically put in these scout guys, like replace the forgettable scout guys and, and throw in a couple other uh, fun choices. So my like uh, categories for this, which is like they got to be an old guy, basically, because I mean, they're all scouts. That's what they, yeah. that's what they do, basically. So I was thinking, you know, what's some good old guys in Hollywood? Obviously, Michael Caine came, came to mind. Classic. You probably have to lose the British accent, though, which. Have, has Michael Caine ever done an American accent in a movie? No. Well, maybe. I mean, I I'm sure he so. probably. I've never heard it, but I mean, not in the Muppet Christmas Carol. So every every time we mention him, I have to mention that him. is a movie set in England, so that makes. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most movies in. I mean, other than the Dark Knight movies, I think most movies in are set in England. But regardless, he's gonna have to drop it for this one, and. uh my other thought that I had was Morgan Freeman. Uh, getting him in that scout scout team meeting, I think he would bring uh, some more intensity as well, which which might have been nice. Him and uh, maybe the the head scout guy could have been on the same page. And he's just like, "What the hell are you talking about, Brad?" But no, throw Morgan Freeman in, and then you know, if you want to as well, just throw in Dave Bautista. Um, a little bit more of a presence. Uh, I think not maybe for that scout team. Maybe yeah, probably a little too young. Maybe, no, say, maybe when they go to the Indians and they're trying to make a trade Ooh. there, the guy who whispers Dave. of the GM, he's, yeah, he's, Dave. Yeah, he's basically just the, the muscle. So maybe throw him in there. Cause I mean, yeah. this <laughs> spoiler alert, I'm not going to give this movie a perfect score. Maybe if Dave Batista was in that role, <laughs> he'd have a better chance, but sadly it's not going to get there. Well, I, I will say this movie, you know, adding Morgan Freeman, this movie is very white. Uh, it is. It is. And, it's tough. It, it, it's kind of the same thing with the Oppenheimer movie. It's like when you're making a movie based on real events, like, yeah, all, all these people wear white is the thing. Um, but, you know, get get a little get a little bit of color in the scouting room or something, you know, get, give us Morgan Freeman. Come on. It was like uh, Ron Washington in there, I think was the only. Yeah. And then, like, like, you know, you get the players who like, you know, you have like Rincon, who's obviously. Like, yeah, yeah he's, like, he's a decent amount of lines, but yeah. 
yeah that's probably the biggest downfall of this movie is you know but you know again when you do a movie based on a true story it's tough to do that i guess so um my second recast and this is a is a fun one if we're gonna have somebody play brad pitt's ex-wife why not pick brad pitt's ex-wife we'll go jennifer aniston there you go (laughs) i like that who even plays sex life like i don't, I don't know. know i actually if we're gonna go back i don't think she's that great of an actress either um in yeah. this movie um again like in comparison i think she doesn't do as great uh you know jennifer anderson she's a great actress you know obviously there there would be some chemistry there that would would surely play through i, I don't know how their their working relationship was you know six years <laughs> after their divorce in 2011 but um yeah let's let's add a little re- a little more realism and put brad pitt's real ex-wife playing his ex-wife i'm sure there's you can probably get some vitriolic hate between yeah, I was gonna say, if you do that it's just gonna be like raw emotion in that scene though and it, it might not be as like comedic it might be more like i fucking hate this guy and just because you know all the chemistry and stuff but yeah i kind of like it it just adds another layer to the whole family dynamic so might as well all right let's move on to our rating you're gonna look at me and you're gonna tell me that i'm wrong am i wrong let's do it yeah yeah it's it's not perfect but it's probably high yeah this this is up there for me i mean for letterbox standards uh i might put this at a five star which i did i did put this i take the five stars a little bit more seriously i think than than most people i believe the only um well well, i don't think i have moonlight on there so the only three that would be on there are obviously my big three arrival prestige moonlight um I think this movie's got to be up there. I'd say it is a top five movie for me, just on a personal level. So I'm going to go a 60. I'm in between 66, 67. I'm just going to go 67. We'll go on the higher end. Why not? 67. Moneyball. Yeah. So actually, um, you know, you've, I don't know if you noticed this, but about a week ago, I actually updated my letterbox top four before I even thought about doing this movie. And I mm-hmm. put this as my fourth favorite movie because I, really? I really do love this movie. Um, I decided to remove Requiem. I, I still love that movie. There's a lot of things about it, but you know what? Jared Leto has just been too much in the news recently. And I don't want, <laughs> I don't want him to slowly, slowly Jared my Leto letterbox. Sucks, dude. I hate Jared Leto so much. <laughs> so I was thinking, I was like, what, what's my fourth? Because I, I think my top three has been like really solid, like Catch Me If You Can, Lady Bird, um, like oh god, oh it's the Social Network, <laughs> Catch Me If You Can, Lady Bird, Social Network. Like I think are yeah. easily in my top three. But then when you go to like four through eight, there's probably a couple movies that could kind of fit in there. Right. Um, stuff like Moonlight, um, there's a couple others. <laughs> but then I was sitting down and I was like, you know what? I rewatched Moneyball a couple months ago. It's a five star movie, baseball movie. I'm a big baseball guy um obviously jonah hill and brad pitt like sorkin again so i I threw it in my letterbox top four and then we we do this movie here i think this is easily a five-star movie and Mm. i gotta give it a 66 whoa so So close big big score for me big score for me that's a massive score for you yeah i'm very impressed way up there so uh shout out to this movie um i guess i'm not as exclusive with you uh with my or as exclusive as you are with my uh my top fives but i can give you my 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 top fives on letter or not my top fives my five star movies on letterbox yeah. so let's hear it. am i doing again? uh we have uh oh my sorting there we go your rating highest first so the prestige five star movie yeah Moneyball five star movie scream five star movie wow 
Birdman, five star movie. I'm saying it. Zodiac, five stars. Shawshank, yeah. five stars. Yeah. Arrival, five stars. Lady yeah. Bird, obviously. Spotlight, five star movie. That was close. It was it was honestly between Moneyball and Spotlight for that fourth okay. uh, position. Uh, Knives Out, probably the most recent five star movie I've had. Uh, <laughs> Goodfellas, a classic. Goodwill yeah. Hunting, obviously a classic. That's probably also in the in that like four to eight range. Yeah, uh, Moonlight. Um, but yeah, those are all my current five stars that I've seen, at least in the year, uh, year and a half. I'm sure there's other movies that I would think of as a five star, but those are the ones that I've seen recently. So, yeah, those are a lot of good ones. Goodwill Hunting is is probably up there for me in that that four eight range, like you said. But yeah, a lot of good movies there. Can't really argue with any of those. All right. So that concludes our discussion on Moneyball. Let's move on to we have a pod grid. Season three. Season three. <laughs> Are we going to do that all season or? I mean, I don't care what you do. Season three. That's the question. Probably when it hits season four. All right. Sounds good. I'll just do it every episode then. All right. Drawing a card and again, skipping. Also, also, what episode is this? I don't even remember. Episode uh, nine, I believe. Wow. We're almost to 10. We're flying through the season. That's crazy. But yeah, what movie? Here's a fun one. The 40-year-old virgin. (laughs) All right. You go first. All right, setting the timer, 30 seconds to talk about the 40-year-old virgin. Uh, this is a underrated comedy. Uh, 40-year-old virgin almost took it in our 2000s draft, but ended up going super bad over top of it. But Steve Carell, uh, it's kind of what got Steve Carell to leave the office. So that's kind of sad a little bit, you know, his success in this film. Uh, the waxing scene is obviously iconic. Also great ensemble cast. You have Paul Rudd in this movie. Um, you have other people that I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, just a really fun movie all top. Uh, the old people are that he's like lives next to are a little strange, but uh, 40 year old virgin, good, funny film would recommend. It's better than that uh, dinner with schmucks. That one's a little uncomfortable to watch at points. <laughs> I'd say just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Throw me deep in then. Uh Kelly Clarkson. No, it's a great movie. I mean, uh, specifically that waxing scene is super fun. Also, um, I think the guy's name's uh, Romany Malik or something. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Super funny guy, though. I think uh, he hasn't done a ton since, but I think I uh, hit some like YouTuber or some viral Twitter video or something. Very funny guy, but I agree. I think most of the cast is just underrated in general. I got I got to pull it up now. Cat Dennings, Leslie Mann, obviously a Judd Apatow classic. His wife, Seth Rogan's in this movie. Uh, Kevin Hart pops up. Jonah Hill pops up. A lot, a lot yeah, of Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has that great scene with with Ron Malky, where they're just screaming at each other in the store. And... Elizabeth Banks, Catherine Keener. Yeah, no, it's a great cast, and Jane it's Lynch. an Apatow classic, I would say. But it is carried by Steve Carell, and like you said, I think it was in between like season three or four of The Office, and he was kind of like, oh, I can just do this and make it a shit ton more money, which you know, good for Steve Carell, but not great for The Office, so. Has ups and downs. Uh, I'd prefer it, you know, another great season of The Office, maybe over a couple, you know, terrible Steve Carell comedies. But, you know, it is what it is. This is what sort of slingshotted all that, though. To wrap things up, recommendations, what have we been into? I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Uh, first things first something that Cody and I have both been really into recently is a, is a game. It's oh, called yeah. Framed. 
uh, frame.wtf is the website. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, it's a play on Wordle. It's not really that similar to Wordle. I mean, you get six guesses and, you know, that's but, about it. Yeah. But it's, it, there's not like a, oh, like how close you are, but it's a movie Wordle, basically. So it uh, shows you a frame from a film. Then if you guess a movie, if you get it wrong, it shows you another one. It kind of gets progressively easier, basically showing you more and more um, like scenes with the lead actors or scenes that would be obvious, but something that Cody and I have been doing daily. So I I would definitely recommend it. If you're a movie fan, check out Framed. It's actually a ton of fun. And Corbin uh, sent me a link to it. It was like this week. It was like Wednesday or something. And uh, we've been doing it every day. I really like it. Uh, to give a short rundown of them, just because why not? Um, one of the ones was Groundhog Day, and like it was a shot of the alarm clock, and neither was kind of that one. Uh, just kind of tough there. Another one was which which zombie movie was it? It was some zombie movie. It was I Dawn guess, of like, the Dead. Five, yeah, I guess like five of them, and it, it was all wrong. Yeah, yeah. I guess but, Night of the Living Dead right before, and then I was like, okay, it's probably got to be Dawn yeah, of the Dead. But today's was I got it in one shot. <laughs> And it was Black Panther. It was just a random shot of the building of the Oakland like, building. Speaking, like right hey, connections, Oakland connections. See, there you go. But I was like, oh, it's it's a fucking Marvel movie. You're not gonna get that past me. Come on. So I mean, that's uh, pretty. I mean, that's basically the opening shot of that movie, right? Pretty close. Well, no, I think it's I think it's the closing, isn't it? Oh, is it the end? Well, well it's the know. same it's... building. It's in the beginning and the ending of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's the beginning because it's a no. It is the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. The ending is it's daytime, I think. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you weren't gonna get that one fast, basically. But good game, go check it out. I I definitely like that. Yeah. Got any more Rex? You can you can start us off with the Rex this week. Um, well, I haven't watched Survivor, so we can't we can't talk Survivor. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll probably watch it after this. Uh, uh what else, what am I gonna do? Fuck, <laughs> I don't have my I don't have my letterbox pull up. Uh, shouts out to Atlanta. Still continue to watch that uh didn't go see morbius unfortunately maybe i'll find the time one of these days to go check out what michael's doing um i did watch uh a 2022 release from steven soderbergh called kimmy starring zodi kravitz um interesting film because it's set like in a covid world but the focus of the movie is not covid which i think is like if you're gonna do that it's the best way it's about this uh basically uh a computer programmer she works for a company that has like an Amazon Alexa, Google home equivalent called Kimmy. Um, and she kind of like basically listens to all these streams. She ends up hearing what she thinks is a crime committed on the stream. Um, but she's also agoraphobic and is scared to go outside. So she's, she's trying to like help this person who needs help, but she also yeah. can't leave her apartment. And then you have like the COVID as like the overarching, like people are wearing masks and it kind of made her condition a little bit worse, but it's not the, the main theme of the movie. Interesting. Yeah, sounds sounds uh sounds alright. You know, you know, Soderbergh he puts out a movie at least once a year, just like yeah, now on streaming platforms. It was Netflix for a year, few years. Now, the past two years, he's been doing it on HBO Max with uh, No Sudden Move on uh, HBO Max about mid last summer, and then you know early twenty twenty two coming out with Kimmy uh, starring Zoe Kravitz. So nice. Worth checking out. That guy just pumps out movies. That I feel like. So, yeah. Yeah. Any more Rex? Oh, uh, that's really all, all I got. You know, we're, we're kind of close to the last time we recorded. So. Yeah, that is true. And um, I really don't have too much either. <coughs> Just coughing. Um, yeah, no, uh, I was going to talk about Survivor, but not that great of an we'll, episode. We'll anyways. save it for next week. It, it, was, it was a whatever episode, but 
next week, I believe, is the merge. So should Sweet. be a lot more to talk about them. Um, but what I have been watching, Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> with Talk Never Ends. I'm on season seven, episode nine or eight, I believe, right now. So the last episode I did actually watch, um, sadly, my boy Littlefinger uh, finally met his doom. Um, you know, he I think he just stayed in the same place and his lies cut. When he realized, you know, Bran is, you know, he can see everything that ever happened and probably should have just left because he pretty much dicked over the Starks like four times. But um, yeah, I think his character through seven seasons, it might have been my favorite. That doesn't mean he's a good guy by any means, but I mean, he basically started the entire war. So I think for his character of, of who he is in that story, it's pretty interesting and, and super fun as well. Aiden Gillen is a pretty good actor and I think he's an American actor too. And uh, he killed that role. So big ups to him. Um, also, just a, I, I don't know this, this season, the direction has been interesting. Obviously it's more about like the living versus the dead and then, Cersei's still a psychopath, which is fine, but the whole Jon Snow and Daenerys interaction, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Obviously, it's also incest, which is the entire point, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it, and the way everybody talks about the next season, I'm uh, very, very cautious of, of how I'm doing the show right now, but I think season seven overall is still pretty good, so no complaints there. But yeah, that, that's pretty much all I'm watching right now. I did want to talk about very quickly. Evidently, I saw on on uh, the web and, and Twitter and YouTube. Evidently, this new Michael Bay movie of Ambulance. Not bad, apparently. Getting very good reviews. Which I think when uh, we talked about the Spider Man episode, uh, uh, I saw Every, the trailer beforehand. Everyone was hating on the trailer. Terrible. It looked like the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And I can't believe it's getting good reviews. So I might have to check that out just to, you know, man. yeah, just to go against, you know, I was, I was slandering it hard when I saw the trailer. So I might have to go watch it just for Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, I think basically what someone said is like, you know, it's not, you know, a big IP thing. It's just like a fun movie. That's like pretty well made. Like here's the thing, Michael Bay, love him, hate him. Like the dude knows how to direct a movie. Like he knows how to do a good action sequence. It's a movie set in LA. It's, it's got a good actor. It's lead role. And it's not like got insane stakes for well, what's going to happen next. It's, you know, a, a high bed budget, well-made, you know, thriller movie set in Los Angeles. So, you know, shout out. I I, I'll his, probably go check out Ambulance. Yeah, I might too. I heard as well. It's basically just one giant, one giant chase scene, excuse me, mm. which is similar to like Mad Max Free Road without all the weird stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's good. I, I definitely think I, uh, like I said, just, you know, because I was talking shit about it, I should probably check it out. Also, uh, to wrap things up, I'll I'll give some shouts to some Brad Brad Pitt movies that are great. So, uh, Fight Club, check it out if you haven't seen it. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. It's probably, in the movie yeah, there you go. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, also, I picked in the movie draft, the two thousand movie draft. Bad Brad Pitt accent in that one though. Uh, but no, it's it's like purposely bad. Uh, yeah, obviously, Seven, great. Uh, yeah, Benjamin Button. Listen, there's some things yeah. that don't work in that movie, yeah. but. <laughs> Brad Pitt plays an old baby man. So. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Obviously, he's in the Oceans trilogy. Oceans Eleven is the good one. Uh, if you want to check that out, and then uh, Burn After Reading. Now there is an underrated Brad Pitt performance right there. So 
Yeah. We'll give shouts. Burn After Reading. That's the main Love one. that movie. Love that movie. Yeah. And then also, you know, uh, I think Brad Pitt was in my top five favorite actors of all time. Uh, also, his production company, Plan B, has done a lot of great work to highlight, you know, uh, BIPOC stories, stuff like Moonlight, stuff like uh, 12 Years a Slave, um, movies, you know, even Minari that was released last year. So um, also doing a lot of great there, work there to kind of put uh, people of color at the forefront of movie making. So that's great. Yeah. I believe he's your number five, right? Yeah, uh, he was somewhere in there. I don't know. Terrible pick. Terrible pick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next week. We got a, a really fun one that I think is going to be an enjoyable one to listen to. So absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll see you appreciate, next week. Yeah. Appreciate guys a lot. Stay capping. Send us your frames. Yeah. A- <laughs> Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.